Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's mm-hmm. right. No negative, shitty criticism from us here, people. We are going to keep it positive. We are a positive film criticism podcast anytime. Anything negative or stupid about a film, you are going to hear this sound. Oh, I was ready for that it this week. That means that we, as she said, we are drinking. That's right. We still keep the that's what she said jokes on the show. We're drinking people. <laughs> Positive podcast. Dave, stop drinking in the middle of our fucking intro for the second week in a row. Did you, did you, did you, even, did you even finish? Get out of here. You know I go off script. Oh, my gosh, people. Welcome to the Love of Cinema podcast. Yeah, pour yourselves a glass and that stuff. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's just keep the good times rolling. John, can we're smooth. We're smooth. John, can we just shout our people out? We got some shout outs. Carlos Barozzo is our beer sponsor. Give him a follow on Instagram. The handle is CBarozzo Bar 2019. That's C B A R R O Z O B A R 2019. And the music you heard at the beginning, in the middle, and the end of every motherfucking episode is provided by the artist Dawson. If you're digging it, Head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist. And you can download all those tracks for free. And as always, please love us, like us, rate us, review, subscribe, all the things. The handle for most of our things is at the love of cinema pod, except for Twitter, just at the love of cinema. Isn't that correct? That is correct. Please follow us on the socials. Reach out to us. We are doing the award season circuit, so to speak. And we would love it if, you know, if you caught, you realized you were catching on to some momentum with the award stuff. And you wanted to have some fun <laughs> mm. with it and not actually get too serious about it. Come and hang out with us. Like, subscribe, reach yeah. out to us. We do respond. <laughs> we do respond. We will, yeah. Um, we're going to yes. get to our featured segment <laughs> featuring the two films you see in the episode title in one second. But first, we would love to let you all know what we have been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? What do you think I've been <laughs> Did watching? Did you watch anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I know. Well, I watched. I watched One Division, of course, because finale. Um, big, big finale, but contained finale. I, I'm not going to give anything away because we know John hasn't seen it yet. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but and I don't. I don't want to ruin this. But I. I do think. Um, I do think they're going to get a little bit of criticism from everyone who rode the wave of predicting what everything was. Ah, uh, yeah. And I it this one it's it's a really like it's a concise story and a lot of the predictions don't come out. So mm. and also it's it's obviously continues on into something else. So I think there's gonna be a may, might be a little bit of backlash in the internet about that, or everyone's just gonna love it. I haven't actually seen what the response was yet. Um but the other thing I watched, because uh, I hadn't I realized I'd only ever seen it once and it was made in my country was the Wolverine. Oh, oh the sweet, dude. sequel. Yeah. Um, and I, it was, it stumbles a little bit in the middle, but it's still a really good watch. Nice. Yeah. Mangold. I watched that yeah. this week too, randomly. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Super random. What else did you watch, dude? Uh, that was, that was it for me. I, I had a busy week. Yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. Um, oh. I watched you guys. Mm-hmm. I watched Tenet. What? <laughs> I rented it and watched Tenet and that? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it because I, I want you to see it first so we can have a, a segment where we talk about it because it's yeah, been we'll, built we'll do a, we'll do a mid, mid, midweek tenant stream. Yeah. <laughs> it is available for the, I think it's the four ninety nine or five ninety nine uh, rental now if you want to give yes, it a shot. It Anybody out there in the verse, 
Um, yeah, I'm glad I watched it, but I do want to talk with you guys about it, and I think we're going to have fun talking about it. So I'm going to hold also, off on any of my opinions. Just just in case anyone doesn't know, uh, cinemas reopened in New York mm-hmm. this week um, at like 25% capacity, and Tanit is back in theaters. Shut the fuck up, well. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No one wants that money, he does not he let that, Matt dude. die. Of course he did that. <laughs> All right. So there's uh, more Tenet news than you ever wanted. <laughs> I watched The White Tiger, mm. which I don't believe made our list. No, but I watched it? it. I think it came out this year, right? Didn't it come out in January? I think so, too. It came 2021. Yeah, it just came out. And that, that's by director uh, Ramin Barani. No offense. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. I really enjoyed it. I think we're, Jeff, where'd you, uh, Netflix? Yeah, I think I saw it on Netflix. Netflix. Um, yeah, really cool. I like Indian cinema anyway, but this one was a really, uh, really interesting movie. It's, it's accessible for sure. There's, you know, some little intrigue and mystery there, but it's coming of age as well. It's pretty cool. I recommend it. I finished the West Wing. I watched the sequel, ah. the Borat, the Borat that came out. Ah, this past subsequent fall. movie film. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that one golden Dude, globes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was very, you know what? I think uh, Sasha Baron Cohen been married for a while. He's, I think he's got a little mm-hmm. little family to action an, going to on. To an Australian. There's actually uh, <laughs> some like moral and ethical things that you like. He like has a lesson in this movie. It's a little different than the last one. Uh, I don't know if he got away with, you know, getting, being Borat, who like nobody knows who the fuck he is anymore. He tries to play into that. It felt a little more staged than the first one, but it's still had a good point to yeah. make. I, and... I think that's why the second character was added. So many he knew he couldn't because yeah. he knew because he, he knew he, he couldn't get away with it. Yeah, um, the daughter's in there and yeah. he's like, in, anyway, I also watched today. I've been meaning to watch this for like a year. I think it premiered two years ago or last year at the Toronto Film Festival. It's about Jane Goodall. It's called Jane. And uh, Philip Glass wrote the score oh. to it. Um, it's uh, it's mostly 16 millimeter footage from her early days there. And they just kind of piece it together. You know, there's still some documentary things. Beautiful. I think it's on Disney Plus. I definitely recommend that. Uh, Jeff, what'd you watch? Um, I, I didn't watch a lot. My workout show, which is what I watch when I'm working out so that I can oh, yeah. do things. I started the first episode. Are you still on Your Honor? No. But I, I, I'll... You started that last week for your workout show. I thought it was your workout yeah, show. Yeah, I'll get back. I'll get back to it. I know we we, we, <laughs> okay. jo- we we make fun of Disney a lot, but I was watching the Imagineering story. I thought that was pretty fun. Oh. I told you. The one, yeah, I, was, the one I watched? Yeah. The first few episodes are great. I'm on three, so there you go. And then... Um, Right. I want them to get into the films and stuff of the '90s, but whatever. Okay, and then I fin- I finished Wanda. I finished Wanda. That's good. Mm. All right, let's fucking yeah, let's do, do it. it. Um, Mandalorian got me in the groins more than the show did, but that's okay. Whatever. Uh, here we go. Let's move into our featured segment. So this is the ninth week of our "It Was the Best of Film, It Was the Worst of Film" of 2020 series, where we pair a supposedly good film that may be nominated for some Oscars with a film that may be nominated for some. Razzies in this case, this film. Eventually, they're just going to have to have the Oscars and, and end this. It's they're <laughs> at the end of April, so the the nominations have to be coming out in about two weeks or so. But yes, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's it's very it's yeah very. Soon. Um, our disclaimer is that uh, our various sources were online odds makers. These were not chosen as films that we are either rooting for or against. And again, follow us on these socials to see what we've been up to, what we're watching next week. We're going to announce at the end of this here podcast we would love for you to watch along i think both of our options for next week are streamable for free with subscription services uh but let's get into it so our first film is going to be nomad land but let me go ahead and tease our second film which is mm. on the razzie shortlist for one category 
right? This is Roel, sorry, Jesus. I, I, my autocorrect said Ronald Dahl. Uh, our second film will be Roel Dahl's The Witches, uh, 2020 release on HBO Max, available now. It took the children's dark fantasy novel out of Norway and placed it on the Razzie shortlist, specifically for star <laughs> Anne Hathaway, primarily for her accent. That's, that's I believe, what, uh, what happened there. Um, it <laughs> in my in my setup. <laughs> it co-stars Octavia Spencer and Stanley Tucci. It's narrated by Chris Rock. Witches turn mice to kids, squish them. Chloe's cat loved it. Is it really that bad? Find out to uh, hear our take on that. But let's get into our first film, which is the winner of countless awards already including the golden lion for best film at the venice film festival and it i think it's up to 15 so far 15 awards yeah i mean if you go if you go on imdb and just hit awards it's like you scroll forever of nominations awards nominations awards um okay yeah i just i just saw the big ones well that's what she's yeah sorry technically it's up to 171 (laughs) wins right now Great. Um, it is it is the front runner for best picture and best director. Um, let's see where did I, where did I get off of this? Okay, so yes, it, it recently won two Golden Globes for best best picture drama and best director for Chloe Zhao. It stars Francis McDormand, David Strathairn, David Strathairn's Ooh. actual son in real life, and a lot of actual nomads who had no idea Francis McDormand was an actress. That is true. That's how good Franny is. Franny. Mm. The person who got us our first gush alarm, Frances McDormand, people. She is a hero of ours on the pod. We'll get talking about her here. Uh, This movie is available now on Hulu. It is Chloe Zhao's third feature film after 2015's Songs Songs My Father Taught Me and 2017's The Rider, all three of which she wrote the screenplay for, Nomadland, she adapted from uh, a book, but it's really a memoir by Jessica Bruder. And... um, The first two are set on or around Native American reservations in South Dakota. A lot of this film is set in South Dakota. To be honest, I'm not exactly sure what her thing is with South Dakota because she's from Beijing. She lived a little bit in London and then she went to college in Massachusetts and then NYU. So I don't know how she now has three films from South Dakota. (laughs) But uh, let's get into the plot here of Nomadland, if there is a plot. Um, It is set in the cold part of Nevada. That's my interpretation. It is set in the cold part of Nevada in 2011 to 12, following the economic collapse. Well, really following the Great Recession, but specifically following the economic Mm. collapse of a company town in rural Nevada, where Fern, Francis McDormand, loses everything. The manufacturing plant, which is the town's primary employer, the town itself, the zip code was literally taken away at her unsellable house. And her husband, she also lost. So she packs her van and sets off on the road exploring a life outside of conventional society as a modern day nomad. That's my setup. Who wants to take it from there? Initial thoughts, initial takeaways. So sad. So like tragically, beautifully moving film. This is is not a light watch, but it's not like an existential Bergman film um it's not gonna like leave you thinking about these giant big picture issues it's very specific but i can't stop thinking about this film and every time i think about it i get sad 
Um, I don't mind that. I like I like that feeling. It's a good sad, but Jesus Christ, this is this one bothered me in in mm. the best way. I watched this with Therese, and it was there was a like it was a box of tissues. Yeah, right. It yeah, was, and with good with good reason. Like it, it's like a lot of these people, like Jeff said, aren't actors. They're talking. They're telling their life experiences. She's just acting amongst them, and that's what that's what makes this a really unique. What I assume is going to be nomination for best picture. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the first time a potential best picture winner leaves the dog? She was offered a dog, and she was like, "Fuck no, I'm not taking this dog." And yet, she, yeah. and yet, this is still the front runner for best picture. Rule number one: take the dog, and you immediately win best picture. But no, she didn't take it. Oh, that's why John Wick didn't win best picture. <laughs> exactly. oh, oh shit! Oh, oh my god! I uh, Jeff, Jeff. Uh, so I'm I'm the asshole who has not seen the uh, the writer or her previous uh, movie. What's it called? Songs, Songs my, my brother taught me. Yeah. Um, I think just based on some footage I've seen from those films, she loves this style of storytelling, a handheld camera. Yep. Yeah. Right? Jeff. Yeah. She likes using real people too. And she likes using non-actors as much as possible. You made mm. the comment about why South Dakota. It kind of reminded me of Sean Baker, who made the Florida Project and Tangerine. It sounds like she does love to just like she's very inspired by certain areas and certain people, usually unrepresented groups, and that she just dives in and likes to mix. This felt like a verite yeah. documentary. Like if Frances McDormand wasn't oh, a absolutely. legend, then I would have thought like, "Fuck it, we're just following around this lady." <laughs> like, and I say that specifically because. And I don't know if, again, I don't know if Zoe does this for his, her other films, so feel free to correct me, but the most intriguing part of the storytelling for this movie for me was that Frances McDormand, 95% of the time, is listening. And mm. because she's taking in so much and not leading scenes with a lot of dialogue and action, it gives you a very unsettling feeling. That coupled with the other thing that got me was it's half the way it's cut, literally the editing. Again, that verite style. And half the way she has Fran moving through scenes, you never... Tell me if you guys disagree with this, but I felt like you never got to see Frances McDormand make a decision. She was always next, next, next. So you almost never got to see her process, which gave me this very nomad land, like we have to get moving. It's always going to the next thing. I I feel like uh, once, once she was almost tied down, you saw her make a decision. That was yeah. That was one of the only times where she kind of did it. But even yeah. in the way, but there I was think... there was one section there, and like that there's was, one scene was, there yeah. where um he's helping her unload her car, and the box falls apart and her plate breaks, and oh my god! In in ten second a ten second scene, she acts her ass off. You see the the loss in her face because it's like you don't have you have what you've you fit in your car. And it's these are good. your prized possessions. It, you carry them with you everywhere you go, and it just broke. And yeah. dude, ripped my heart out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Let me. All right, let me ask you guys this, because like, you know, we're not a podcast that's trying to tell you what to think about each film in terms of like emotional impact. But I'm curious what you guys took away from this, because there, for, I thought there was a lot of commentary on their generation. Uh, American finances in general and what happened in the aftermath of the Great Recession. And like, it's kind of commenting on how we're still approaching economics, especially in the light of this pandemic. Um, This type of personality, I thought there was something there too, that we were watching. This was a film about somebody who ran 
Like she's she's kind of on the move all the time. That great scene between who and her, her and her sister. Uh, you know, I felt like you abandoned me. She was her sister was saying to her, "You left as soon as possible. You married him almost immediately, and then he passed away." Spoiler alert: Her husband. The reason she's alone is because her husband had passed away years ago, and she didn't move back. She stayed away. She only comes when she needs money, and then she's gone again. And then David Strathairn's character was offering her love, not even anything weird, just companionship and a place to stay. And she 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 left that too. And so I was curious at the end of this movie, why did you agreed with me? At least Dave did. I think I think you might as well, Jeff. Why do you feel like this struck uh, such a tragic chord? Because it really did feel like that is the word I keep coming back to. There's something unfulfilling about this film. And I don't mean that in terms of emotional impact. It's mm. brilliant. But it didn't leave me hopeful for her. I felt like there, I was watching a decline of something. I didn't feel like she found and discovered her beauty and her peace at the end of this movie. Did you? I did. I went the other way. Interesting. This is, this is a... I mean, for starters, this film should be the orientation video for anyone who wants to be an investment banker or a politician because it really <laughs> yeah. shows a side of, like, the financial crisis that nobody saw. This is, like, this is, this is the America you don't see on the news cycles. It's people banding together and looking after each other when the chips are way down. And they, mm. they have a community. And you sometimes you meet up with, like, other people in the community at a stop down the road. And sometimes you don't, and you make new friends. I've, I've done a lot of traveling. My wife's done a lot of traveling. Like, she hiked across Spain by herself, made friends all across the way. We went and visited someone on our honeymoon. It's, I, it's a lifestyle that some people choose, and I feel like that was the only... When she was on the road, that was the only time she was at peace. And she almost, almost went for, like, the companionship and that sort of thing, but she decided, no, me, I... I'm at peace on the road alone and occasionally meeting with people. That was that was her zen. And so she chose that and it finished with the, that beautiful shot of her in the center, like driving away. And like it, it's, you know, I feel like, yeah, she, she got exactly what she wanted. Interesting. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think, dude? I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of between the two yeah, of I you. Think it, I think it um, does a good line job of kind of giving I, you potentially both. I kind of thought of this as mother courage without, but if she wasn't a mother, ah, that's good. <laughs> uh, but, but yes, to, to, to what Dave just said, as she's, she became her friend who passed away. It was like, I had a good life. I basically, I just don't want the pain. I don't want the suffering. I don't care if I die today or if I die in a week or a year, I'll die when I should die. I just don't want to drag this out and be told that I need to live for any reason. Like just let it happen. Let it be what nature wants for me. And I think Francis McDormand was headed in that direction. But that doesn't mean that my takeaway was anything inspired, inspiring to do that myself. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I think, like, like she, she's, she's gone to me by the end of me this too. film. Me the watcher. Um, and, that, and that's okay. Obviously, that's fine. That's okay. Um, back, to what Dave was, back to what Dave was saying about investment bankers. Um, the funny thing, obviously, these people don't pay taxes, and and they really didn't know who Francis McDormand is, which sounds amazing. Like, what would it be like if you didn't have to endure the emotional trauma of the four years of the Trump administration? But at the same time, it's like, but I'm not buzzing that. What happens? Yeah. yeah. What happens when they? <laughs> but what what happens when they get sick? Right. David Strahan goes to the mm. hospital. Like, is he on Medicare? You know, those kind of questions are are curious. But I'm glad they didn't go there. I also love the fact that she's an Amazon. She's a seasonal Amazon employee. So Amazon is not the bad person in this movie. Whereas 
if you follow politics today, Amazon is very much the bad person in politics, not because they are assholishness necessarily, but because they are the beneficiary of policies that are forcing people like Francis McDormand to to be able to be a seasonal worker for somebody to help make them billions of dollars, to help them be efficient, and then literally kicked in the ass on the way out. And so we see you again. Um, and, and, you know, you're basically asking for obedience and, and et cetera. So all of that is there. What I have to say to you two is I have now had multiple households reach out to me. And I think one of my family members said it best where they said, this is this year's Roma, mm. which is one of those where they know that it's there. They know that it's powerful. They know that it's beautiful, but it's very slow. And so not everybody is going to watch this the way that we're that the three of us are watching this. Some people are going to wonder I did they to miss be honest, something? I didn't did I didn't happen? think I was going to enjoy it and I watched it straight after I finished The Wolverine. Yeah. So I went from nice. The Wolverine into this. <laughs> nice. And it got me. It really got me. It's like I feel like she's so good yeah. and it was directed so well. Yeah. Like how fucking good a director do you have to be to work with people who are literally actually just nomads they're not actors like oh, if yeah. you look up these guys they have one acting credit this is it and to get that like to be able to capture what they captured of those people let me, let me talk a little bit more about chloe Shaw. so i very randomly thanks to my friend eddie schmidt i saw the writer at the new york film festival which is where its premiere was in 2017 i'm not i'm not one to get free tickets to festivals yet but if you want to sponsor our podcast, please go ahead. We are, uh, you can find us on the socials. But thankfully, Eddie got me in there and with a couple of friends and there was a talk back with her. I had no idea she was going to be an Oscar winner in three years. But it, so basically she went to do her first film, Songs of Her Fathers on the Native American Reservation. And she heard the story of this very famous horseback rider who was a celebrity who had a near fatal accident. And then what do you do when you can't ride your horse anymore? You're literally useless to American society at that point. And he had no skill, no expertise in anything outside of that. And now he can't do it. Um, and so she basically based her next movie on that. Um, and I actually asked a question because she did a lot of this film technique that she does in this movie. First of all, a lot of quick edits, or even though it's very slow paced, there's an edit and you're in the middle of a action of a another scene. Now, I don't mean action like you're in the middle of a basketball game or a war, but I mean yeah, business. No. You're just like in the middle of business and it takes you a second to be like, whoa, where are we? What, what, when are we? Et cetera. But she would do a lot of shots towards the sun which is very risky for film because the lens flares, but she pulls it off. She still is able to have color and not have it wash out. But a guy broke a horse. So which means that he like, a horse had never been ridden before. And now this guy's going to ride the horse. And and I asked, I was like, how did you do that? How did you stage it? Because it's shot so beautifully and cinematically. And I'm not fucking with you. She just said, I just asked him to break the horse. I said, oh, okay. And that's it. So, yeah. so she yeah. is able to get these real um, people. To a lot just of that do is yeah. a lot of that is um, she works with cinematographer Joshua James Richards, who is he? His style is uh, it's a kind of a cross between it's what they call um, it's a little bit uh, verite, and it's actually what they call the new naturalism. So he uses nothing but environmental. If the light's there, the light's there. He's not like very rarely does he rig an extra light in a scene, and. He, like, if this is anything to go by, he's a natural... It's almost like he told the fucking sun where to be for half of these things. Oh, scenes. my God. Yeah, I was wondering, were they chasing sunsets yeah. and sunrises? Sun, sunrises and sunsets. Like, I, half the movie is... Yeah, he's... This seems to be his... Like, these shots are his specialty. He's, he's a fucking natural at this. I, I do... I wish I saw to, this. Uh, in my I wish I saw this in the cinema. Having seen the writer in the cinema and knowing what it looks like, you it, it, it puts you in a meditative trance. Which you at home, I, I would ask if you're going to watch this movie. Please allow yourself that opportunity because it's going to feel slow if you're on your phone and on Twitter. But 
when I sat back and I just let those, sound, yeah. I, I felt like I was washed away in the movie. And I do kind of wish I had that with this, but I, it still hit me. But I know that the theatrical experience would have even been more, you know, but that's okay. Yeah, Peter I think just joined like us in the are... chat and he agrees with me. Who, who said that? Peter McLean, Peter. property daddy. Yeah, he, he abs- absolutely agrees with me. That, that's what it says. Don't, don't bother opening the chat. He just agrees okay, with me great. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got chatty. What were you saying, uh, Yeah, I think, I think films like this, I think films like this are a good cue to uh, remind us that, you know what, there is an e- it's easier to take experiences seriously when they're removed from your the comfort of your own home. So it probably would be easier to, to really dive into something like this in a dark room with other people. But, mm. you know, just like reading a book, like, do you feel that way about picking out some good literature? Every now and then, you know, these best picture things are going to challenge you and you're supposed to be challenged. The yeah. point, she made this film to challenge you. She did not make it to only entertain this, you while you have your is, phone in your right hand. This is something you go to see with like 15 friends and then sit in around like a fire pit and discuss. For yeah, this, three an hours. English teacher, I heard this from Chloe's mom, yeah. was like, an English teacher would love this movie because she'd be like, tell me about the themes. What did you learn? What does the passage of time mean? Et yeah. cetera. Like that kind of shit. Well, well that's why it's also, so good. As, I do as get we proved to tonight, like everyone gets something yes. different out of it. Yeah, I do want to get back to that really fast just to. That's what I was most excited to talk to you guys about. And I think in the course of our podcast, you can look back and or listen back in some of our greatest episodes. Oh, that was some of our greatest Dude, episodes. That was a dog going nuts in the hallway outside. <laughs> yeah, I thought I heard something. Uh, I think some of our greatest episodes are the films that the, the films that are made so well that we don't have to talk about the actual filmmaking or the film itself. We end up talking about what the film was yeah. talking about, which is so exciting. Mm. So for me, I'll just wrap this this little commentary up. Uh, I'm glad you came back at me, Dave, and I'm glad Jeff kind of sat in the middle because I ended this film feeling like she makes this point about halfway through after you've already had this conversation with her sister about how you abandon us and you're never here and you have no roots and she's left David Strather and she's abandoned multiple opportunities to get closer to people in a permanent way, not a transient yeah. way. And then she she gives this speech to somebody, I can't remember, one of her very few speeches about how she had this house at one point with her husband in Empire, Nevada. And the best part about it was that it was on the edge of town and that mm. the view was wide open and there was nothing in our way. And that was the line. There was nothing in our way. And then Chloe and Josh chose to end this film with her going back to this house. And she walks out of her back door. You've been waiting on it the whole time. You see what she's looking at through the kitchen window. And then it cuts away. And she walks out the back door and walks in the direction of this wide open space. And for me, I, that landed for me as I was like, the only thing in her way is her. Like she literally walked into the vista that she claimed was in her way. And then it cuts to this, this lonely shot of a van completely alone in the middle of nowhere. And there was, a, there was a respect that came along with it that she continued to choose this principle. But it also made me wonder, are we trying, you know, are these economics and are these major things that are creating these lives for these people, are they also creating some kind of compensatory uh, philosophy that it's, it's, it has to be about you? Because if you can't trust the things that you're supposed to have trust in, like our government, like our major institutions like our society. So I thought it ended up, I'm not saying it only made me feel that way, but it ended up making me question all those things by just her having this one personal experience. Gus, Gus! Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> oh, we're all going to get it, I, I'm I will, sure. I, I will, 
I just I thought it was brilliant. It just made me so conflicted, which is my favorite feeling at the end. Of, I was so yeah. full of conflict. I judged. I mean, I judged Francis. I judged myself. I judged Chloe. I was judging everybody, and yet I felt I felt so much I, empathy I for will, all of us. I will on on one point there. Uh, some of these guys didn't adopt this lifestyle because of the financial right. crisis. Some of these guys adopted the lifestyle because that's what they wanted to do. Although I still would push back a little bit. I think that like that speech that the dude was giving at the very beginning when they finally came to that place in Arizona where they were all getting together. By the way, mm-hmm. when he talks about his son passing away, I it's like true story. Yeah. through the tears, dude. That was so, yeah. sorry. so fucking sad. But his initial speech about we've been forgotten about, he, I didn't feel like he was just talking about the recession. The workhorse speech that we have come into a, an economic kind of society where we think we are only valued by how, our, how hard we work. And we forget to connect with people. And that's why we're all here to help each other. I still think that there is something big picture about the way we approach economics and lifestyle in this country, in the West, at least, that makes people feel like I got to escape completely. I have to escape 100% and go on the road and live in my van to get away from that shit, which also, again, it made me conflicted because I've I've lived in off the grid before. I've lived in the jungle in Hawaii before to get away from this shit. I know what at least some of what they were feeling and it just, I don't know, it brought up all these conflicting emotions. If you think I mean, they, this is they a had good less centipedes. movie. You had what? <laughs> they had less centipedes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Hallucinogenic, <laughs> painful centipedes. Can we talk just really quickly, because we haven't gushed about her yet. How amazing is Francis in this movie, dude? Um, I don't know. I, should, I just leave the gush, should I just leave the gush <laughs> alarm playing? Because right. holy is fuck, she gonna, dude. Do you think she's yeah. going to win? Like, is she is she going to win I, again this I, year? She, I, the I mean, Oscars are, are fickle, and because she has two... They are because she has because she has two. I feel like they're gonna try. It's the Meryl Streep role. I've, I've been saying the Meryl Streep role forever. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Which is after she had two Oscars by the time she was like 42 for Sophie's Choice and Kramer versus Kramer. She's not up against the rest of her category. She's up against herself. So do people want to give her another one so quickly after three billboards? Or I'm assuming she's gonna be nominated against people who have not won. Carrie Mulligan, Vanessa Kirby, Andrew yeah. Day. So right. it could change so, somebody's but, life to give like, them when- the win. So we'll see. When you give a performance that is so fucking masterful, you can't tell the difference between her acting and the real they stories of heartbreak. Tell the difference. How is they didn't the know measure. she How was that. Yeah. The they didn't know that she's an actress. Yeah. Like I've been waiting. Like I want to hear you both guys go. I'm, I already said that one line about how she's listening, but I've kind of been waiting all week to hear you about you guys rant about how good she is. <laughs> like, please go off and talk to us about what she accomplished in this film. This is a very unusual lead protagonist role in a film this is unusual right yeah yeah she's she's not acting she's fucking creating people like yeah she is she literally becomes what she's trying to portray and it's it's an amazing thing to watch and you like i like like we said it it feels a little documentary-ish i you forget you're watching a movie like her mm-hmm. story is as heartbreaking as everyone else's and you just lean straight into that because there's nothing pulling you out of it at all yeah it's 100% convincing. She, I think the most powerful moment for me is when she's, um, after she leaves the Arizona. So so she meets a group of, of nomads that basically they, they, it's like a beginner's crash course of nomads ship. And then everybody leaves except for her and like three people. So she's the last one to leave because she's, she's not quite ready. I think that's the way I interpret it. She's not quite ready to just go into the wild. She still wants the community. She still wants the help. You know, if she gets a flat tire, for instance, she doesn't know how to fix it herself. Mm. You know, I know that's a small, again, it's a small thing in the movie if you're just looking, you know, to just like 
you know, get whipped up by a fucking film. But like, it's a big thing in this where she's not ready yet to be a nomad, uh, even though she's made the choice. But then once she goes and she goes into like this gorge or something that's sort of like a natural pool mm. and she's lying in it and she has just let go. It's it's th- how many people spend so much money on aqua therapy? You did, John. You, you did one of those like hammock in the water things and it cost like $150. Like she just fucking went and did it in nature and she just like gave in. And I remember thinking to my for yeah. myself and I was like, I have so many like projects that I'm working on now that like I can't even think about leaving for like a day, let alone. And then she's just like, kind of became one with nature like we've been doing for thousands of years and it's okay and it was she just like gave into i thought i thought the way she was able to do that but the thing about as far as her performance because yes she is an actress even though she didn't seem like it there were times where she was gone where you didn't really notice it was fran her behavior was like nothing you've seen before but then there were times where she seemed a lot like fran the way she was telling the son to call his mom and she was kind of short with him her sister the way she was like really snippy with her sister so it's it's one of those performances. I don't want to give any ex- the example that's coming to mind would probably be polarizing, but there are some times where the actor and the character, the clash between the two is part of the story. So I think Francis becoming this character and giving up Francis, but sometimes not being, you know, like whether it's Francis or whether it's the character, her internal struggle becomes three dimensional. It's not like she's just acting or just not acting. Does that make sense? There, it does okay, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Take a drink. And 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 to spin off that, whether or not Francis approached Chloe or vice versa, it doesn't matter. Both those ladies knew as artists this. If we embrace this, if you embrace this, Francis, it's going to do something to your work that maybe you haven't experienced before. Because I don't think Francis has made a movie in this style before. Um, again, not to reference. Sean Baker during this, but it's a similar style. And I remember Willem Dafoe was talking about in the Florida Project, how unsettling it is to hit when you hear action get called and you're working with non-actors. And I've heard some, you know, some oh, European filmmakers who she love working with non-actors it. too. Yeah, I think so too. Cause it gets all these ideas you have about how we should play this moment. It goes out the fucking window when you're working with people yeah. who are actually living these She basically these said, lives. Bob Krakauer, go fuck yourself when she did this film. Yeah, honestly, like I don't need to learn how to play this scene. There was one moment, if anybody in the in the verse wants to hit us back, I can't remember where this moment was, but somebody, it's a, it's not Spanky, it's the, her friend from the beginning, the first half of this film with the glasses. Spanky? She's met, that's, isn't Spanky the one who passes away who has cancer? Isn't that one her name's Spanky? Um, the one who sends her the video with the swallows and the river? I don't think it, Okay. So not okay. that friend. I think it was, I think it was swanky. swanky. I don't think it was Spanky. Swanky. Okay, Swanky. Uh, it, I think yeah. Spanky. Yeah. Spanky is what you did last weekend. I think it's Linda. I think you're talking about yeah. Linda. Yeah. Linda the previous, the, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. And they're doing something. They're set, They're setting up like one of their vans. They're like doing a little work on it. And there was this moment where Francis is so fucking alive. Her friend, Linda May, if, if that's her name, is kind of messing with her. And she like does something to her. And Francis just like looks yeah. at her and sticks her tongue out of the side of her mouth just kind of playful. Like she's just so alive and she's just listening so well. It's like every, I, I cannot imagine how difficult it was to cut this oh. film. Cause I'm sure every fucking thing they left on I'm the floor. Sure that, yeah, I'm sure they shot for hours. Guys, guys, uh, just, just a little bit of question time. Peter's come at us and said that Billy holiday was a better performance. Okay. Well, we need to yeah, watch that. Still. We haven't oranges, seen it Peter. yet. So apples we'll, and oranges. You know, maybe we'll, <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're just, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll watch she that. She won the and Golden Globe, wrong, but Francis didn't even go. Peter. That's how little Francis cared about the Golden Globe. She could have done it at home, and she was like, fuck it. No. <laughs> we're all going to drive to all Peter's right. house and do the next show from there. Uh, 
powerful <laughs> film though. I'm very glad Chloe Zhao is, yeah. is out there and making movies. This is a challenging style for our mainstream kind of stuff. And I think the French new wave would have eaten her up. And I'm glad she's a part of this new wave that's happening right now in America. And I hope she keeps making movies because like, mm. like Jeff said, if this is a movie for English teachers, I think we need more of those to challenge us at the end of the year and make us think. So thank you, Chloe. I mean, also, also we, we say how sad this is, but there's also some really hopeful, funny moments here. Like when they're, when they're educated, yeah. like they, how, they hold it, they get together in these groups and hold seminars yeah. on how to be a nomad. And they're talking about the, basically when you're a nomad, you got to manage your own <laughs> shit. Yeah. And they're talking about what size shit bucket to use. And it's like, yeah, if you, you usually go for a four-gallon bucket. I'm in a Prius, so I use yeah. a two-gallon bucket. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if you have bad knees, use a seven-gallon bucket. Like, it's so funny, dude. Yeah, and it, it, everyone's laughing. Everyone's having a great time. They're, yeah, it's, they're, so there is, there's a lot of hope in there, and there's a lot of, like, it, it's it just kind like- of filled my heart. This actually inspired me to get, like, um, to get to know my community better because i i feel like in in a new york apartment you're a little bit isolated so i'm gonna make an effort to get out and get to know my community a little better good for you dude this is yeah this is just it's like a mirror to real life and i know we want to say that for every film but because of this style it was like unsettlingly real it was as Mm. tragic and as hopeful and as moving and as sad as real life is and damn inspiring (laughs) yeah 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 oh my god and i hope ted cruz fucking hates this film that dickhead okay great so <laughs> no, oh, friends. Well, this is not my land. Please, everybody's everybody's ex- everybody's gosh. experience with this gosh. film is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good thing that this film is out there and that this film's awesome. And uh, I'm just saying that because it's like an Americana film. And anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, people, yeah. we're gonna leave it there. We'd love to hear more. Find us on the socials. Reach out to us. But we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be discussing Roald Dahl's. The Witches, starring Anne Hathaway. We will see you soon, film fans. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> back Here we oh, go. Here we go, people. So we're talking the witches. So again, we are not rooting for or against any of the films that we pick, but this is on the Razzie. No, we're certainly not against it. Ugh, just open this bad <laughs> this is, So this is on the Razzie shortlist, uh, primarily because of Anne Hathaway. Now, to be fair to Anne Hathaway, <laughs> I actually, yeah, I actually can't be. I can't be. <laughs> well, no, no. Here's That's what I was right. Say. We go, we go from cinematic masterpiece to cinematic what the fuck. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> God, to be fair, wow. to be fair to Anne Hathaway, she is being nominated for two different roles put together. So it's not like it's just because of this film. It's also because of uh, things I wish he said. Things I, 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 I forget what that movie was called. It's the last thing he <laughs> wanted. Last thing he wanted. <laughs> I was ready this week. We all forgot the title yeah, last that was week. In, so. That was in our first episode of this series. So go back through our feed oh, to find Jesus. what we thought about that. But anyway, directed by Robert Zemeckis, Oscar winner for Forrest Gump. Man, we're talking Contact, Castaway, also, Back to the Fucking like, Future. Behind Back to the Future. Yeah, so Bob, like, Bob Zemeckis, he did the thing that all good directors do, which is they start making kids. They start making movies for their kids or grandkids or whatever. They become a grandpa. He makes this movie. He gets a huge budget. That's a cautionary tale, isn't so it? So the original, <laughs> yeah, so it's based on Roald Dahl's book. I'm guessing they put the Roald Dahl's The Witches because there was a 1990 film with Angelica Houston. Um, the original story is set in Norway. And so they transplant this to Alabama in the 60s. 
pretty interesting move, but they did that. And then, yeah. so now it stars Octavia Spencer and Octavia Spencer's uh, grandson is uh, narrated by Chris Rock because I guess it's the grandson when he's an it's older... kind of Chris Rock doing Bill Cosby a little bit. Yeah, Chris Rock. You know when Chris, Chris Rock has admitted this before, my, one of my favorite quotes of all time is Chris Rock talking about animated films because he presented Best Animated Film at an Oscar. And he said, here's what I know about animated films. You show up, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He basically said, you don't have to memorize your lines. They feed you your lines and then they give you a million dollars. So he very clearly probably did that for this where he showed up. You could tell like, he was just reading these lines dramatically. Like he did not do any like work mm. outside of the studio, but whatever. Okay. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. People Octavia Spencer, who's great Oscar winner. Anne Hathaway, Oscar winner, Stanley Tucci. He should be, but he's an Oscar winner in our hearts. They called in a lot of favors for this. Yeah, or they had a lot of money. I, I don't know. Maybe they had a lot of money. Maybe Zemeckis got them a lot. But anyway, so it's set in Alabama. The, the moral of the story is the kid who lost his parents in a car accident, so is being raised by his grandma. Um, I this one. There are witches nearby, <laughs> and witches apparently hate children, so they turn children into mice so that they could squish them. Right? So very clearly not an adult film. But sometimes chickens. Yeah, the chicken thing, they never really added that up. Oh, did they, me- yeah. did they mess up? Was no, her, her big plan was to turn everyone, all the kids into mice because they're easier to squish. Oh, because the chicken was as easy to squish. Okay, cool. <laughs> I this guess. This is Anne Hathaway's I mean, yeah, character, by the way. Who's the, gra- the grand witch? The grand big witch? Grand high witch grand or something. Grand high yeah. witch, Anne Hathaway. Grand high witch. Yeah. Um, she must have been high to take this role. I, I believe. Ooh. Take the role. Ooh. She probably she probably like was like, ooh, this is fun. It's a kid's movie. I can do whatever I want. Dude, I I'm, halfway, I'm halfway through watching this, and you pointed out that they made this in the 90s with Angelica Houston. And my first response, which I texted back to you, was, who the fuck tries to do a role that Angelica Houston did? Um, Anne Hathaway. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. I used to really like. I used to really like Anne Hathaway. I and really also, did. also, watch the trailer for that. The makeup on on uh, Angelica Houston is awesome. Yeah, that's true. Nice, um, Jeff. When was the last? When was the last time you said, uh, "Great work, Anne Hathaway"? It was the last time you walked out of the theater and said that was another good performance by Anne Hathaway. I, the Intern. I think that was probably the last time I was like, "That was good." The movie intern, yeah, the Intern. I thought she was okay in Dark Knight Rises with what it was, but she was she wasn't. I thought yeah, she was okay. She wasn't Michelle. She was, Michelle, she was under good. She wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer. Interstellar. Interstellar I thought she. Yeah, exactly. I'd I actually, I liked her in Interstellar. Yeah. I thought she was good in the last thing he won. I did. She was not my problem with that Correct. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought she was pretty good. I in really that. hope. Yeah. I really hope we're not coming across as patronizing. Her. I, she really no, is actually, a very, very actually, talented actually, person. Obviously, I, she was definitely not the problem I had with the last thing he wanted. I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah, I agree totally. This movie, she she everything took a, else she took was the problem real... I had with the last thing he wanted. I guess I guess the kind way of saying it is that she took a chance in this movie. She tried to try some things out, including I, I swear on my life, her accent changed from film from scene to scene. Sometimes I heard Scottish. John, you heard Norwegian. Uh, sometimes I heard like Czech or Danish. I, I really, I really don't know. I didn't even hear Norwegian. I was just guessing. Is that what Norwegian <laughs> sounds like? And, and I, w- I, uh, I will say, you know, good acting teachers will say like you have to play off what the other person's giving you. If you want to know if she was really honed in, just watch Stanley Tucci act with her in like the two scenes they have together. He 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 really doesn't. He's really not sure how to respond. Like, and it's not just like his character. Like, I think Stanley Tucci's kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, what's the bad? How do you, like, what do you do now? Yeah, I know. I, you, yeah. No, you're totally he's right, like, dude. You see, you see the professional like, Stanley yeah. Tucci uncomfortable with how to, yeah. should I respond accordingly? Stanley Tucci, who can make he's like, Meryl you know Streep. I'm just going to ground this. Stanley Tucci, who can make <laughs> Meryl Streep better 
basically on the spot ha- had to do what Dave just said, which is let's ground let's ground this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, my, my setup I got mean, off the rails. What, what do you guys? Okay, it's a kids movie though. We have to just say that up front. This, is, okay, yeah, this is a books a kids book made into a kids movie. It, it, I mean, was the Resi's list this year made by adults thinking movies were made for them? Like kids so, movies it, were made for them. Like the Razzies list was it? Adults thinking kids movies. Oh, were yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah. Well, that's why it's not. Yeah, no, yeah. It's not and nominated then for. I like, wrote that note. I wrote that. I wrote that note at the beginning, and then forty minutes later, nope, I was wrong. This is not good. <laughs> the Razzies this... latch onto celebrities that are trying to cash in, like you know, whatever. Anyway, so apparently at the, at the beginning of this, when you look this movie up, like the little blurb you'll get on your you know streaming device is gonna say a reimagining of Raul Dahl's tale. So I guess they were saying, hey, look, we're taking some serious liberties with the style and the way we're going to approach this. The, the only thought I kept having when I was watching this over and over and over again was that if it was presented a little bit more grounded, this would be super eerie. And I think kids would have responded yeah. really well to like how unsettling these, these if you just say it and actually just show it more realistically. I think the fact that you know, like Anne Hathaway is a like, good example, but dude, it's so over the top in some places that there's a there's a comical absurdity that uh and and not a uh, absurdity is not the right word because Matilda I think actually did a, a decent job. There's there's a yeah there's I a mean, there's a tone problem here that, that is just this is it, it dark never as felt shit. uncomfortable. But it never felt it's, uncomfortable. It always felt silly. Whereas Matilda, sometimes there are moments where you're like, whoa, am I allowed I mean, to laugh? It's a little weird. Dude, the one good thing out of this movie is that, like, after watching it, kids are never going to fucking talk to strangers again. <laughs> Honestly, The dude. CGI was cool. I, I prefer like, makeups and, like, and, like practical. You know what? I feel like half, cool. half, the, half of these scenes were, like, the length they were so they could justify some visual effect. Yes, like, I totally when, agree with that. Yeah, when she first gets up there and she's at the podium and they do the mouth split and the big teeth and she looks like, you know, Venom, basically. Mm. And, and uh, it's, it's, she's doing the witches, witches, and it just keeps Wait. going on. No, it's the like, weirdest is, you're a genius. You're a genius. They're all chanting that Anne Hathaway is a genius for like 20 seconds. You're a genius. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I think you have to make it. I think you have to make a decision very early on. And I'm not trying to like speak for anybody who was in charge of making this film, but I think you have to make a decision very early on with your department heads. Are we going to try to actually freak children out a little bit? Or is this going to be very, you know, not scary, very easy to watch? Are you just going to have fun with the special effects in the theater? All right. The CGI That's a good example, Jeff. When he was in that store where uh, Octavia Spencer was buying collard greens, it was just a, you know, like a, a little side country store or something. She was just getting some groceries, and he went to go grab some candy or something like that. Yeah. And he goes around the corner, and a witch he meet, he encounters a witch for the first time, and she extends her arm to him, and a snake crawls down it. Yes. I remember thinking, like, what if she was actually holding a real snake? It didn't like crawl around, but she like extended her hand, and there was an actual snake on her hand. That would have been unsettling. And I guess I get with this movie, just like Artemis Fowl and some of the other ones we've talked about, all these kids movies this year. I think as you get older, the trap of being an adult is that you think kids can't handle things and you think you're afraid to go too far or you don't want to turn children off. Children can handle fucking almost everything. Unless we're talking I mean, about they, blood, they guts sort of and gore. Can. I mean, 
I I I watched. I don't know whether you ever saw the show Monkey Magic, which is which is based on the legend of monkey, like a Chinese story. No. And uh, there was one episode where they featured vampires, nightmares for fucking four weeks. Yeah, but the the vampires yeah, were probably practical. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like that. That this witch was very, very obviously not real, and that's okay. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that. It's just that I okay, understand. No, but I un- very obviously not real to us. Yeah, to an eight-year-old right. or a six-year-old, to an eight, that yeah, kid to, is fucked up. To, now. Yeah, that, yes, you're right. Yeah, to yeah. that, I would say kids are going to be addicted to VR and yeah, drugs pretty soon if they if this is yeah. their only like scary concept. See, I'm here. saying I'm I'm arguing against that though. I'm saying I feel like they know it's CGI. They know it was fake. That woman in the store was was a fake mouth, a fake snake. I think they would have been more ready to get on board for this story if. If they didn't utilize the CGI and the, the fake mouth yeah. so much, if there was maybe, maybe. just—I don't even want to say it's explicitly—it's only the practical element. It's more of a tonal element. Like they went into this, I feel like, with the choice of we don't actually want to scare kids, but I think Rawell Dahl did want to scare kids. I do think he wanted no, to do I, that. I actually—I think, think I disagree with you. I think they did want to scare kids, and I, I'm with Dave that they think that this is the way to do it. They think that using the CGI puts them in like an. Uh, uh, a headspace that's not based in reality, so it's sort of nightmarish yeah. that way. Whereas I mean, to me, I get the, it. The, like you want to use got... the modern technology, but yeah, but there are moments. You know what? I did get freaked out when she reached into the air vent and her hands and her arms grew. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you know, yeah she was yeah, chasing yeah. the mice. That was. That's you know, there's way. some moments where you can use that technology. I just thought they they may have overused it, which is easy to do nowadays, I guess. I think this. Also, did you I like mean, all of Anne let's... Hathaway's flying? No. Did you think that worked? Her practical error works. Yeah. One day. I thought that was weird to use that. I, thought, I was like, why are you using that? Why is that the only practical thing in this whole movie is the, the wire work? Yeah. I mean, also, like, let's let's just focus on Octavia Spencer for yeah, a second. Her awesome. character is the worst fucking role model ever. Oh. <laughs> Dave. Oh, like, come on. What? Why? No. Why? Okay, seriously. Uh, her... Her spiel about feel better is, I knew someone who died, so buck up and eat your cornbread. All right. <laughs> the, the kitchen... <laughs> That ki- by the way, that yeah. kitchen is where they talk about God in this film. Every time they're in that oh, kitchen, a lot of God, yeah. Yeah. fucking fucking God Dave, comes up. Right. What's your, also, what's your I, I mean, I might be a little bit. I might be a little bitter about the opening of this because the first time I watched this movie, this was my second watch. Because I watched this movie, just giving it a chance, I was like, I'm. I think watch you need this. to buzz yeah, yourself. And you sorry, get one too for sorry. saying that. I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh God, I finished the second beer. Uh, okay. Oh, what a shame. On to the third. All right. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> these are nine percenters, you fuckers. All right. I, our, yeah, our I first watched this movie. Tough. The first time I watched this movie, I just started my healthy eating track to like, because I'm like, I'm going to get fit. You know, I, I, I got to get healthy a bit. And the only emotional reaction I had was when that kid wouldn't eat his fried chicken in this entire uh, film. Uh. I'm like, I was furious. I'm like, some of us don't get fried chicken, you ungrateful little bastard. And that, that was it. That, that was too, that was the whole, the only emotional reaction I had in this entire film. The rest she of it put was, a dry mm. rub on it and everything. Mm. I wanted that chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Cornbread looked good. I feel you, dude. Although I will say, I, I'm going to go to bat for Octavia. I think she thought she was in a... All right. I'm being a little a hard good, on a her. A good movie. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like she was training out she some came grounded back moments. In, she she almost she pulled those semi Tom Cruise and came back in singing and dancing and yeah oh, it was, that was funny. <laughs> her dancing, that her dancing, awesome, her dancing. Yeah. Was I, I did like her character. Way, I just didn't like how her character was written. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'll say. So the kid was really sad at the beginning because his parents yeah. passed away and he had to move in with his grandma. 
I would say the sadness before the witches came in, that was that was cutting pretty deep. I actually think we have seen two movies today, both of which handled grief better than WandaVision. How's that? Oh, shit. How's that for a hot take? Oh, shit. He's giving it to you. We have a WandaVision fan in the house. The grief was there in WandaVision. On behalf of the internet, you You deserved all those. I really liked how they introduced uh, this snow falling upside down, you know, the the inverse of the the car wreck shot. That was pretty, you know, Robert Zemeckis, he had moments where he was really shining. And that kid is adorable. The boy who they cast as the lead in this film, I thought he was super cute. He was super sweet. Uh, I didn't see it going into mice territory. I didn't know this was going to turn into a CGI mice movie. Me either. But, Although um, I will yeah. say the like the one positive note I have of this is like the animation work in this is on point. There's yeah. like there's some who, great. Who uh, this? What what studio uh, made this? There is I I actually actually didn't look that up, but there is some great lighting work. Like when they when they're running along like the wall, the ledge on the wall. They yeah. whoever did the the lighting design for wow. that CG sequence, you can actually see the mouse move from one light source to another. There's like duplicated shadows. And stuff like that's a level of detail that just really gets my respect. It got me Ugh. technically. It got me when he crawled up onto the couch in her room to get the potion the first time. Yeah, it's a real couch. I was like, wow, that, that looked really excellent. There was a lot of practical stuff they used with the mice scenes, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it was same thing that I often find myself asking a lot in a lot of kid movies, except for brilliant ones like you know Pixar usually doesn't make me ask this question: is what were you hoping to achieve? I guess I'm curious, like with tone and, and messaging and everything. I know what Raul Dahl was. I think I have an idea of what he was trying to get to with this. He likes to mess with the almost scary stuff in children's imaginations. Mm. He likes to put it out there in an almost absurd way. I used that word already, but he likes to kind of just put it out there and then make the children kind of have to imagine how it would feel to be in that situation. I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if I felt that way in this film. I felt like I was a little safe the whole time, and I think. I think they could have gone a little further from me, but if I had a kid, I would watch it with him for also, sure. I have, I, have a- I have a question about Roald Dahl. Like, what is his obsession with fat, greedy kids obsessed with chocolate? Good question. Right? He definitely had a bully or some <laughs> kid in his yeah, school that yeah. was yeah. fucking snob, rich kid or that had all the chocolates. Like, um, <laughs> Yeah. Can I say something really funny about the... I, so I watched this with Chloe and her mom. Um, and Oh, go for it. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for this. <laughs> I had had a gummy... And when this movie started, oh, yeah. it was in Spanish, and we didn't stop it for like two yeah, full minutes. Going. <laughs> we it it opens with well, it opens with title cards that are in English, and so there's a Spanish dub, and so I thought it was part of the movie, oh, just based on. Please the t- tell me there was Spanish Chris Rock. I have to go and watch this after this. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I cannot wait to hear Spanish yeah, 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 yeah. Chris 100%. Rock. Well, again, because I could see the title yeah, cards. I've totally done that. It, before, I could dude. see it was written. Words were written in English, and I, they were saying something yeah. in Spanish. So I thought it was part of the movie for a very long time. I've done that, dude. If, if watched... Chris Rock, if Chris Rock knows Spanish and just did the Spanish for this, I'm I'm even more impressed because I love Chris Rock. But yeah, uh, I watched I watched <laughs> Let the Right One In. In ah. total Icelandic, thinking it was supposed or Swedish, thinking it was supposed to be that way. I was like, I guess they don't Wait. want to put the subtitles on yeah. the and original totally or the remake. The original. I just watched oh. it both. anyway. Um, what did you think of uh... um, Guillermo del Toro? Guillermo del Toro was a producer yeah. on this, by the way, but he wanted it to be stop motion. So I don't know how much say he had over the final. Um... Yeah, 
He was credited as a writer as well, so I feel like he, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe he just did a pass. Yeah, I I feel like he does that all the time, right? (laughs) Just did you guys think I was this uh, casting wise? This confused me, so I guess I'm going to count it as a criticism. Get ready to buzz me. Did you think Kristen Chenoweth was a child ever? She was supposed to have just gotten turned a few months ago, right, into a mouse. Or was that years I know, ago? But here's the thing. A good good question. The, I, this Mary, came up for the white, us. This is a mouse. valid question. I yeah, I didn't. No, this even came know up for us though because because the mice age quickly. Chris Rock's cat, ah, like that mouse at the end is probably only a year or two later. So I think in those four months okay, yeah, she ate. Thank you. Very technical. You're right. Which if I was one <laughs> of the, which is what, if I was one of the kids, I'd be like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be old in four months. <laughs> Turn me back. I really feel I'm going to call it Anne Hathaway will not be appearing in Les Mis 2 anytime soon after shredding her vocal cords on this one. She's she's going to get nominated for a Razzie, right? I mean, there's already two. She's on the long list twice. So, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. it's it's so she'll be nominated for both. And, and, and you know, again, we're not odds makers here, but it just, I yeah, feel if like you end up with two, reading the tea leaves, I feel like. It's, yeah, if you it's end up happen. with two mansions on the Razzie thing, you're going on the short list. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, I don't I mean, think the, she's gonna, uh, she's up there. Rudy Giuliani, uh, Mike <laughs> Lindell. It's it's not a it's not a great list this year. No, well, but, I mean, uh, Kate Hudson's gonna dude, be in there really? for music. It's not a great list. Not, no, nothing happened this year. It's like we were all locked away. I do recommend COVID watching that. Watch that Giuliani scene if you don't want to watch that whole Borat movie. Just watch the whole interview. It's it's weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's weird all right. Um. So next week, people, we're gonna head. We're gonna spoil the fun Ooh. and end it there. And we are going to introduce our segment for next week. So we have two films. Our first film. I'm very, very excited to finally get to this, which is directed by Emmy Award winner Regina King. We are doing One Night in Miami, which is yes. available on Amazon Prime if you have your subscription up to date. And our Razzie film that we're going to be doing next year is Hillbilly Elegy, which is our first crossover. Because it's both gonna, it could possibly be nominated for both a Razzie and an Oscar, which is super exciting. The Oscar, of course, for Glenn Close, who is always gonna be a little too Glenn Close, and yet not close enough to that Oscar. But oh well. Regina King, <laughs> Regina King, <laughs> Regina King is an Academy Award winner, as well as an Emmy Award winner. She won for uh, oh she is Beale Street, right? She won for Beale Street, yes, right. And then she, I, I meant because she won. This past year for Watchmen. Yeah, she did. Um, I guess that. Oh, oh, oh shit! That was two years. Jesus Christ! That was two years ago. Same now. year, I think. Yeah. It was oh my god. The year sorry. after the Bill Street. Anyway. Fuck yeah. Yeah, she's shit. Mm. All right, Looking forward to that. Yep. Can't wait. I forget where Hillbilly Elegy is to stream, Netflix. but it's Netflix. Netflix. Done. Yeah. All right, people. Well, so thank you so much for joining us. Anything else you two want to say? No, that was that was fun. That was fun, and yeah, yeah that was a lot of beer. Tune in next week. We will see you next week. Take it easy.